0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. In a moment, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. So the first verse, we'll begin with the first verse of the New Testament, Matthew 1, 1. Momentarily, Let me give you a very quick update on our relocation. As you know, uh, a couple of three weeks ago, our church voted with a 90% vote to go ahead with our plans and to authorize our budget finance committee to negotiate financing on uh, our new uh, relocation. Uh, in terms of what the budget finance committee have been doing, we've been uh, uh, interviewing different people uh, financial institutions. They have requested uh, information on our church, financial statements and so forth. We have given them all of that information and we're waiting to hear from them. So that's where the, the uh, financing uh, uh, status is. As far as relocation, um, the uh, architectural plans are being fine-tuned as we speak and uh, we're waiting for uh, uh, the committee to get a chance to look at uh, those fine-tuned uh, plans. And then we'll be going forward as soon as we hear from the financial institutions, as soon as they give us a decision on uh, our financing. So everything is going according to plan. Every time there's news, I promise you that I'll uh, be conveying that to you. Uh, I want to be totally forthcoming and open with you about um, those plans. All right. Now, let's look to uh, Matthew chapter one, beginning with verse one. How many of you know who Ozzy and Harriet are? Raise your right hand, your your hand, your hand. Okay. How many of you have no clue who Ozzy and Harriet are? Raise your hand. Anybody? Anybody? All right. So everybody pretty much knows, or either, or kind of afraid to admit that we don't know. Okay. Here we go. All right. Uh, this is going to be really interesting reading from the text. If you've looked ahead, you know that. So I know you're going to enjoy reading this text. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nation, Nation, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah. Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abiad. Abiad, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Atzor. Atzor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Elihad. Elihad, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Mathan. Mathan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations at all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. One of the more shocking realizations among families over the past 50 years is the discovery that our family trees are not squeaky clean. I mean, we just come into this world assuming that our family trees going all the way back to Adam are just squeaky clean. Black sheep? Not in my family. Somebody else's family? Yeah, but not in my family. We, 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 have, we have been shocked, however, by the realization in the past 50 years that, that squeaky clean cannot be applied to our families. You don't have to go back too many generations, may not even have to go beyond the present generation, to find a renegade cousin, an alcoholic son, a wayward wife or a wayward husband, the soldier boy who came back different, the man who had an affair with someone of another race and it was really kept hush hush. the the picture the old black and white picture that has has cr- uh, kinks in the corners and and all of a sudden it comes up in a conversation one day and people are looking at it and they are they're pointing well that's that's Uncle Fred and 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 that's that's uh, 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 Aunt Martha and over there that that's my cousin Annie and and then there's 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 Uncle Joe and on this side of the picture and all the way on the other side of the picture. On the other side of the family group is Aunt Connie, who is Uncle Joe's wife. And then there's this little boy. There's a little boy. He's with the family, but he's standing about one person away from everybody else on the end, on the side where Uncle Joe is. Well, who is that? Oh, you know who that is. Well, what's his name? I can't think of his name. But you know, you know, he, that little boy is the reason that Aunt Connie left Uncle Joe. Oh. Well, did she divorce him? No, she never divorced him. She just left him. Wouldn't give him a divorce. She just left him. But she wouldn't live with him anymore. They, they lived out the rest of their lives, separated, though married, on paper. And it was all because of that little boy that's standing just about a foot and a half away from Uncle Joe. What we found out in our world is that our families have those, uh, let's see, what can we call them, black sheep moments. Not just black sheep in the family, I'm talking about black sheep moments. You've heard me mention Fred Craddock before. Fred Craddock, one of my mentors I, I love him dearly. He's in his upper 80s now with Parkinson's, lives up in Cherry Log, Georgia. Years ago, he preached a lot of revivals, and he was in one revival, and uh, one of the hosts asked him, "Would you like to go out and see an old family cemetery? It's way back in the woods?" And of course Fred Craddock was a lover of history and he said, "Well, absolutely, I would love to do that." And it, it was it was a cemetery that was somewhere uh south of Atlanta, north of Macon, so it couldn't have been far from here. I don't know exactly where it was, but but uh the the host took Fred Craddock through the woods and and finally there was an opening where there was a a cemetery. The cemetery was uh square. The outer parts of the cemetery were Uh, made out of rock and some sort of primitive uh, cement, and they were about knee-high, the boundary, to the cemetery. Inside the cemetery, there was a a large number of tombs. All of them carried the same family name. But what troubled Fred Craddock was that about 50 yards away from that closed-in square... There was a lone, single grave. It did have a marker. And the inscription on the marker indicated that that grave belonged to a son. Now, there were several, he had several brothers and sisters inside that square, close to where the matriarch and the patriarch were buried. But 50 yards away, in a more grown-up area of the woods... Was a long grave. At another time, Craddock in North Georgia, near Hogback Mountain, some of you may know where Hogback Mountain is, there is the Dickey Family Cemetery. It's an old, uh, old cemetery. The Dickey Family is uh, famous, some of you may know this, for James Dickey, who wrote the book, which was later put into a movie, Deliverance. James Dickey. Uh, did that, and also for the fact that Mrs. Dickey is in the family line of one of our United States presidents, Zachary Taylor. But uh, uh, Craddock was taken up to the old Dickey family cemetery, and once he got there, up on Hogback Mountain, he noticed that there were 29 markers in the cemetery, counted them in the family plot, 29 markers. In the middle were two large markers, and one was the, the great-great-great-grandfather and, and the great-great-great-grandmother, uh, George and Hannah Dickey, and they, those two were marked, those two. But out of the other, tw- other 27 markers, not a one of them was marked, not one. So you had 29 markers, and the only two that were marked was Mr. and Ms. Dickey right in the middle. All the rest of them were unmarked graves. You don't have to go back too far in your family tree to find things that you didn't really want to find. But it's better if you find them than somebody else finds them. You know what I'm saying? Somebody else finds them, you never can trust anybody else with your family information. You know what I'm saying? Back where I came from, uh, in the 1830s, there, there were uh, two or three really, really great preachers who were really missionaries. They were church planters throughout North Georgia. And one of those guys was named Frederick Marshall Hawkins. They called him F.M. Hawkins. He signed all of his, every document that he ever signed, F.M. Hawkins. He founded uh, Friendship Baptist Church up in Cumming, Georgia. Friendship, one of the oldest Baptist churches in uh, North Georgia. And... Founded the church. He was married to a, a, a lady whose last name was Brannan. Her, her, her name was Samantha Brannon. Samantha Brannan. Turns out she was one of my aunts way, way, way back. I didn't know her, of course, but uh, she was one of my aunts. He married her. They had several children together. Uh, she had a sister named Mary Elizabeth. Mary Elizabeth married... F.M. Hawkins' nephew, Robert. Now, stay with me here. Don't let me lose you here. Mary Elizabeth married F.M. Hawkins' nephew, Robert. But Robert got killed in the Civil War. He fought on the side of the Confederacy, and in 1863, he was in a battle up in Virginia, and he was killed, leaving Mary Elizabeth to be a widow from 1863 up to around uh, sometime in the uh, 1880s. And then, F.M. Hawkins' wife, Samantha, who was Mary Elizabeth's sister, y'all still with me? Samantha dies. And by the end, she dies in the spring, and by the end of that year, F.M. Hawkins has married Mary Elizabeth, the sister who had been married to his nephew who had been killed in the Civil War. Y'all with me now? Now, if you go up to Friendship Church and you cross the road from the church over into their large cemetery, the first stone that you'll come to that is tall is F.M. Hawkins. And there's a big marker there commemorating his ministry. Right beside him is uh, Mary Elizabeth Hawkins, wife of F.M. Hawkins. You will not find Samantha Hawkins' grave anywhere. I've looked for it. I can't find it. She's not buried with him. His second wife, who is her sister, is buried beside him. But you will not find his first wife. And so I've talked with some of their family members. They can't find her anywhere. She died of the dropsy. Don't know where she is. Now, It bothers that family if they can't find her. And it may be absolutely nothing other than she was buried somewhere and people forgot about it, which would be unfortunate. But you don't have to go back too far in your family tree to find things that cause you to shake your head, scratch your head. Black sheep moments. It really shouldn't surprise us that we find black sheep moments in our families. Uh, anybody who's here who says, well, I, our family has been just perfect from day one. I don't know where. I don't think there are any blacks. Let I me mean, tell you, you just haven't looked. I guarantee you dig, you're going to find some dirt. You know what I'm saying? If you dig, there will be dirt. But it is surprising nonetheless. It shocks us. It it causes us to feel shame. We immediately want to silence those black sheep moments in our family trees. Now, I, I, I've been trying to, to uh, ponder why is it that these turn of events have happened. And, and I, I've come up with a, a few reasons why I think uh, we are this way. First of all, we're, we're very protective of our own. I am. You are. I mean, you know, even if you're, and some of you know this, those of you who are married couples... Fellas, your wife can say something about her mama, but don't you say anything about her mama. I'll guarantee you, uh, you, you want things to get really black sheepish right in, right in a hurry. You just say something about some of her family. You don't do that. She can do it. You can't do that, most of you. Now, there are a few guys in here who say, I'll just say whatever I want to. Of course, they don't eat a whole lot either. I'll tell you that. We're very protective of our own. My mother... My mother's very protective, very secretive when it comes to family stuff. My mom is. I love her. She's very secretive. And, and one of her, one of her uh, most often quoted statements, whenever I was younger, she says this, Don't air your dirty laundry in public. Even if we know of such things in our family trees... We don't want to mention it because we're very protective of our own. The second thing that has brought this about is the Internet has given us quick access to information. that Just a short time ago, it would have taken us literally years to find out, to discover, to compile. Uh, I do family tree uh, uh, research on my own family and on some ministers throughout the state uh, northern half of Georgia because I'm interested in the history. I can go online to ancestry.com, and I have a subscription to ancestry.com. Some of you, I'm sure, do too. I can go on there, and in in six hours, if I wanted to spend six straight hours just doing research, I can find more information than uh, ten years ago it would have taken me five years to find. Because ten or fifteen years ago, I'd have had to gone to to the national archives in different places in the country. I would have had to have visited ancestors. Uh, I would have had in uh, 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 the graves of ancestors. I would have had to have visited uh, family members who are still living in other parts of the country. It literally would have taken me five years to get what now I can retrieve in six hours or less. It's amazing. So the Internet has opened up a lot of stuff for us that we otherwise uh, would not have found or would have taken a lot more time to find and some of the stuff we find, we wish we hadn't, you know. But there's another reason why, you know, it's one thing to uh, protect our own, and it's another thing to have more access to information so that we find more folks. But still, why the shock? Here's, here's what I believe. And you, you, can, you can test this in your own family. This is my opinion here. I believe we have fallen prey. We have been lulled into the deception of believing the myth of Ozzie and Harriet. Now, those of us uh, old enough, you remember Ozzie and Harriet. It was a show that started out on radio, and then uh, CBS television decided they wanted to move it from radio to television. And so in the late 50s and in the 60s, you have the Ozzie and Harriet show. You have Ozzie and Harriet. You have their boys, David and Ricky, premiered in, in 1952, really and went for many years, and it was the perfect family. I mean, it was really too perfect. I mean, think about If When she's in the kitchen, she's wearing her Sunday dress and her hose and her high heels, and maybe she's got an apron on, on, you know, tied across the front of that. Ozzy, when he sits down to eat dinner or supper, either one, what's he wearing? He's wearing a suit and tie, and the coat is buttoned. Who does that? Who does that? And everything's perfect. They don't have black sheep in their family. You know, they'll have a little problem, but it's not really a problem. They work it out within 25 minutes on the show, right? They will always work it out, and it's never anything really of major import. They don't have any black sheep in that family. Nothing's wrong. And we watched that show. We wanted to be like the Nelsons, and we came to the belief that we, we are like the Nelsons. And what we really didn't know was that even the Nelsons weren't like the Nelsons. They were a troubled family. Boy, off screen, they were a troubled family. Ozzie Nelson, they say, was one of the hardest individuals to get to know. He was very overbearing. He didn't come across that way on the, on the show. And right alongside that, we had to leave it to Beaver, which I like better than, than Ozzie and Harriet. I, I like the Beaver better. But even Ward and June Cleaver... You never saw Ward Cleaver sit down at the dinner table without a very slim tie and his coat and it buttoned. I mean, he looked like he was going to some sort of corporate meeting when he sat down to eat. And June, the same thing, she was wearing her Sunday dress when she cooked the meal. Maybe an apron, which she took off, sat down. The kids were always pretty well-mannered. They didn't have a black sheep. Now, I know what some of you are saying. There was a black sheep there, Jimmy. I know there was. His name was Eddie Haskell. Yeah, but keep in mind, he wasn't in the family. Think about that. That was the mentality. That's the mentality we've come up with. Oh, I know there are black sheep in other people's families, and we may know those black sheep, but we don't have them in our family. By the way, Eddie Haskell grew up to be a man, and joined Palmetto Baptist Church. His name is Meryl Jenkins to this day. <laughs> Absolutely. But we lulled into the belief that, that we are Ozzy and Harriet. And the fact of the matter was, there was no Ozzy and Harriet. fact of the matter is, there is no Ozzy and Harriet. It was fictitious. At least the Ozzy and Harriet depicted on television. At least the, the, the Ward and June Cleaver family was depicted on television. It, it was fictitious. It was mythical. And so when all of a sudden the Internet opened up and we were able to find a lot of stuff on our own families and we could find stuff on other families, what about that? Doesn't it make you feel really comfortable? That somebody who knows anything about Ancestry genealogical research can go on Ancestry.com and pull up information on your family? Huh? Does that make you feel good? Yeah. They can. There's no law against it. And it's out there. Thanks to the Mormon Church, it's out there. The Mormon Church believes that one of the ways that that you can get to salvation is if you have a dead ancestor, you, you, if you're a Mormon, you can be baptized one time for each of those deceased ancestors and it will either put them into heaven or it will put them into a place where they have another chance. Now think about that. It's a bogus belief, but that's what they believe. Now, if you truly believed that you could be baptized on behalf of deceased ancestors, what is one thing you'd want to do? You'd want to have the most extensive genealogical research on your family that you could possibly find. So you get all the names of all those people and then be baptized on behalf of them. And the Mormon Church does that. They have the largest family tree database in the world. And guess what? They have your family in it. And so here we have this Aussie inherit mentality. And then the Internet has given access to all of our family tree information, including some of the black sheep stuff. And it shocked us. I came across a family tree last year. And uh, there was a grandfather... He and his wife and their family—they were living up in one of the Carolinas, and later on, they came down and moved to North Georgia. But when they were up in the Carolinas, they had uh, some African American workers on their farm who worked for them for pay. I'm sure it wasn't much pay. But before they left to come down here, the grandfather had had some sort of relationship with one of the African American ladies. And the family, after they moved down here, assumed that there may have been a child that was conceived from that relationship. But they didn't want any part of it, didn't want want to acknowledge it, didn't want to talk to them, didn't want them talking to hear. They weren't sure there was was a child, but there might have been. Come to find out, there were two children. It's in the family tree. There was a son. You know what, that's, you know what, you know what the, the African-American father, who was not the biological father, you know what he had his wife name that boy? Romeo. That's true. All that brings us to uh, Matthew 1. And what we've had is Jesus' family tree. We're walking through his family cemetery. And let me tell you this, when you walk through Jesus' family cemetery, what you find are some black sheep moments. But let's just walk through it. First of all, I want you to notice this, that Jesus' family tree had some heroes of faith. There's Abraham, there's Isaac, there's Jacob, there's Judah. They all said in the Old Testament that the Messiah will come from the tribe of Judah. So there's Judah in Jesus' family tree. There's Jacob, Isaac, Abraham, the father of their faith. Jesus' family tree also had some kings David, Solomon, King Hezekiah and King Josiah. Good kings who, especially the first two, made some really serious mistakes, but they're still considered to be good kings. Jesus' family tree had some kings. But then Jesus' family tree also had some scoundrels. Jacob. Listen, man, don't go buy a used car from Jacob. He was a conniver. David, an adulterer and a conspirator to murder. Solomon, some of them said he was the wisest man who ever lived. He had, he had basically a thousand wives, 700 wives, 300 concubines who were kind of like secondary wives. A thousand wives. Listen, how can a man be wise and have that many spouses? Man's a fool. And there's Manasseh. You remember Manasseh? Hezekiah was one of the good kings. And all of a sudden, God, God told Isaiah, said, go tell uh, Hezekiah that uh, set your house in order for you'll die and not live. But rather than set his house in order, uh, Hezekiah went back to the Lord and said, Lord, please let me live. I repent of whatever wrongs I've done. And God heard his prayer, changed his mind and said, all right, I'll give you 15 years, 15 more years. You're not going to die. I'll give you 15 more years. And in that 15 years, he and his wife had a son. Their only child, his name was Manasseh. And he was the worst king that was ever in the land, Manasseh. Terrible king. They were scoundrels. Jesus' family tree also includes some questionable women. Forgive me for this, ladies, but let me, let me just say this. In, in first century uh, Jewish culture, if you did a family tree, you never included women in the family tree. If you don't believe this, go over to Luke's gospel in uh, Luke chapter 3. Luke is a Gentile, not Jewish, but he follows the Jewish culture of not including women in the family tree. Luke's family tree or genealogy of Jesus has 76 generations and not a single woman is mentioned. Matthew, however, shocks the world of his time by including five women in his family tree of Jesus. Two of them are prostitutes, Tamar and Rahab. One of them is a prohibited foreigner. Prohibited meaning you were prohibited to have a relationship with her. Her name was Ruth. A fourth one was an adulteress who may have been privy to the, the, the murder of her own first husband, Uriah, and that was Bathsheba, although Matthew refuses to mention her by name. He just mentions her as she who was the wife of Uriah. Those are four women. And then there's a fifth woman. She's an unwed, pregnant teenager. And her name is Mary, and she'll be the mother of Jesus. Isn't that strange? Matthew is giving us Jesus' family tree, and it has some black sheep moments in it. Several of them. Now, what does that say to us? It it, it doesn't necessarily say that we ought to work, let's let's go make some black sheep moments, right? No, that's not what it's saying. But it is saying, listen, when, when you look at your family and it doesn't look quite so perfect, or if you're looking at somebody else's family and their family doesn't look quite so perfect, listen... Uh, That's okay. Jesus' family wasn't quite so perfect, and yet this is the family that produced our Savior. So, where did Ozzie and Harriet go? Well, they never really existed. Not in the way we, we, we saw them on TV. Rather, uh, unlike them, we all have black sheep in our family histories. And the fact that we have some black sheep in our family histories shouldn't surprise us at all. We should be surprised if there were none. Moreover, if Jesus can have some shadowy figures in his family tree, then I think we should be okay when we find them. It's called grace. It's okay. It's okay. Take it easy. Don't be too hard. Don't rush to try to cover up everything. It's just your family. And you're normal. It's grace. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for our families, warts and all. I also thank you that we want to be better. We want to be perfect. We want to be Ozzie and Harriet. But Lord, keep us away from believing the myth that we are Ozzie and Harriet. Lord, as men, may we take off our jacket coats and our ties and sit down and relax with our families. Thank you for the grace that you pour out on all of us. And Lord, we don't have to be proud of black sheep moments to acknowledge them. And to acknowledge that you are the Savior of all of us. And when we receive you, you do something in our lives that changes not only each of us individually, but our families. Lord, help us to appreciate grace in the family. And Lord, help us to reach out to that son who's 50 yards away by himself. And let us embrace him. Let us embrace her. And love that person the way you love them. In Jesus' name, amen.